Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Father, we just thank you right now for everything you've done this week and everything you're doing and everything you're going to do, even as we leave from this place, each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, for the deposit of faith and your word and encouragement that you've already already put in each of our hearts, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we are being changed into the image of Christ. We are being changed from glory to glory. When we see you, we will be like you. And thank you, Father, that you continue to do this work in us. And may we be women that flourish in every area of our life. May our our family, our marriage, our business, our ministry, everything that we do, may it blossom and flourish. And may we see great fruit from it every day of our life. And I thank you, Father, that it is your will and your plan for us that we should only multiply and increase and grow brighter and brighter. Thank you that we are the light of the world, and I thank you that we can allow our light to shine because people need you. And I thank you, Father, that as our light shines, you will draw people and you will touch other lives, many, many, many other lives out of the lives that are touched here. And we just thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that every ear is anointed to hear. I thank you, anoint my lips to speak. And I thank you that we receive all that you have for us. Allow it to come in and do a work in us and bring correction and to prune us, Father. Burn out everything, Lord, that's not of you, everything that's of the world, everything that's of the devil. Burn it out of us and brand Jesus in our heart. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. I just want to talk a little bit about being planted in the house. Planted in the house, flourishing in the courts, what that means. God's house is a very good place to be planted. Amen. It's where his blessings are. The Bible says that we are planted by him. Isaiah 61 and 3, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And Matthew 5 and 13, Jesus said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. How do you get planted in the house of the Lord? Well, you've got to get saved first. Amen. And then you have to get filled up with his word. That water that talks about in Psalm 1, where it says, blessed is is the man who doesn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly and the wicked and the scornful and become like one of them, but who puts all his hope and his trust in the Lord and in his word. And I'm saying he... And when I say he, and that's an all-encompassing word for all of us, amen. And the, and the roots that go down into the water, and then it says, and your leaf will be green and everything you do will prosper. 
So that is a very important part that you cannot skip. You have to put your roots in the water, and the water is the water of the word. And you see that even if you are a Christian and you love the Lord, if you don't have a foundation in the word of God, you cannot stand through the storms of life. We've already spoken about that. When Jesus said you have to build your house on the rock, that rock is the word. So when the storms come, which they will, you can stand, your house will still be standing. So what, what gets you through all the garbage that life throws at you and all the storms that life throws at you is your foundation of the word of God and standing on the word of God. If you, but if you're not a doer, you have to be a doer of the word. If you're not a doer of the word, you just hear it, it sounds lovely, you don't apply it in your life, then you're building a house but you're building it on the sand. And that house can be washed away by the first storm that comes along. So you don't want that. You want to be built on the rock. So you have to send your roots down and get them solidly in that water and feed on that water and feed on the word of, the, of God every day. Yes, we are busy. Yes, we don't have time. But you know, we have time for the things we want to do, don't we? Right? So we just, you just have to make time. Like I said, we're not always motivated, so we just have to be disciplined. So you just have to make a time of the day that works for you. You know, in the, in the, in the morning is good if you can because it sets the tone for the day. Um, but even, you know, it's always good to get it in your eyes. The Bible, God says we must get the word in our eyes and our ears. And so it's, it's good for you to read it. I know I'm a visual learner, so it's always good for me to read, but it's good for it to be amplified by hearing it as well. So I have programs, Bible on tape, and I just drive in my car and listen to that. You don't have to look at it, you just turn it on and drive, and just let it play, 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 and you'll watch how the word will start, suddenly a scripture will be quickened to you, the word will come alive to you. Um, I remember particularly when I was a new Christian, how that would amaze me, how um, I would be ministering to somebody and to somebody else, and a word would come to me, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even remember that I learned that, but the Holy Spirit quickens us to it. Now, Jesus said that the function of the Holy Spirit, one of his functions was to be a teacher, to, and he said, to remind you of what I have said. So you need to know what Jesus has said so the Holy, Holy Spirit can remind you, because he can't remind you about something you didn't learn. So you have to get the word in your heart from the front to the back, you have to believe that it is what it is and it's real. And not like these lunatics that are out there telling you you can't believe this part of the world word and you can't believe that part of the word because if you can't believe that part, you can't believe all of it. So that we need the Old Testament, we need the New Testament. We have, you know, the, 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 the Old Testament is the New Testament, hid, it's, it's, you know, the New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is the, is, it's revealed, amen, God's plan. But he hid it from everybody, including the devil, because the Bible says if the principalities, the powers, if the devil knew what God's plan was with crucifixion, they thought they were getting rid of Jesus. They didn't know they were signing their own, you know, death warrant, basically, <laughs> and that they would be thrown into hell finally because of what Jesus did. Jesus conquered the devil, kicked his teeth out, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, hallelujah, and turned around to us and said, here they are, well, here, here's my authority, I'm giving it to you, go use it, and authority is in his name, amen. So we have his word, and we have his name, and we need to use them and not, not, not neglect. I mean, some, if somebody gives you a fabulous gift, maybe somebody gives you like a really nice, expensive watch, but you never wear it, you just wear your little cheap Walmart. Well, I know, you know, if you're, if you're like doing the dishes, you may not want, might not, might not want to put your bad, your, you know, your nice watch when you're doing, when you're doing, you know, 
all kinds of stuff you don't want to, but you need to wear the watch because somebody gave it to you and it's nice and you deserve it. Amen. Hallelujah. So God gave us his word and we need to wear it. We need to use it. We need to appropriate it in our lives. Amen. He gave us his Holy Spirit. We need to take advantage of him in a good way. In other words, we need to, we need to receive the Holy Spirit and what he does and what he says to us. You know, a lot of people want God to touch them, but I don't want to hear what he has to say to them. They want God to touch them, but they don't want to hear what God has to say to them. And when you, you know it when you're going down the lines and people stand there like, they don't receive anything. What do you want us to do, hit you on the head? <laughs> I don't know. You have to be a receiver. There's electricity in your wall if you paid the bill, amen. And you, all you do is, you know, if you want to make some tea, plug your kettle in and it works or your curling iron or your whatever, and it works, you just, so you gotta just plug into the word, it's there, it's waiting for you, the power of the word is waiting for you, you gotta plug into it. And so there's people, they want the, ooh, and the goosebumps, but they don't want to clean up their mess. And the Holy Spirit wants you to clean up your mess because he wants you to be lean and mean, and um, <laughs> maybe not mean, but he, he <laughs> that stuff, anyway, he wants you to clean out all your, all your garbage and your mess, so that he can pour in some good stuff. Look, I mean, hey, how many of you love those fixer-upper things? They're fascinating. I love the, the before and the after. It's like amazing what they do. And um, so you'll think of your life as the before, right? The broken, they walk in there and this is broken, that's broken, that's not adequate, that's not good, what a mess. That's what your life is when you come to Jesus, but you gotta let him do the, the fix-up. You gotta let him like rip out the whole bathroom and put in a whole new bathroom. You gotta let him rip out the kitchen and put in a whole new kitchen. You gotta get him to clean up the backyard and all the weeds and the, and the junk and the cars that are left in the backyard, tow them out and build you in a swimming pool, amen. So you need to allow him to clean that junk out of your life and that's your floor time, that's your pre, in time, doesn't even have to be floor but whatever, your time on your knees, whatever you wanna call it, in the presence of God saying, God touch me, amen. Hallelujah, do that and allow him. And when he brings, because there's, there's things people hold on to, like especially unforgiveness is one, and the Holy Ghost says you need to forgive, and people won't. We had a guy in, in the early days of our church, first few years, and um, he, he had a, a lifelong problem with one of his organs, his kidney, and he had issues and it was causing all kinds of issues in his body. And everybody that ministered to him, whether it was one of our pastors, whether it was us, whether it was a visiting speaker, God would show the visiting speaker he needed to forgive, and you know what, he wouldn't. I don't know why, he just couldn't forgive whoever it was. And he, he was a single father with a son. And he died before his time. And the kid was left without a dad because he refused to forgive. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. A lot of people are, they're not flourishing because there's hindrances. There's hindrances in the way and it's, it's all of these attitudes, these, these attitudes of the heart, these works of the flesh amen, that are hindering them from truly receiving everything God has for them and from flourishing. So we have to weed the garden, amen. You know, in, in, um, in Mark chapter four, it talks about the sower sows the word. How many of you ever heard the sower sows the word? How many of you have never heard anyone preach on the sower sows the word? Okay, well, that wasn't everybody and every, maybe, okay. <laughs> Some people said yes, they've heard, and nobody said no, they haven't, so okay. So we'll assume you have. If you haven't, write down Mark chapter four, and you go read it. But it talks about hearts, hearts being the soil. 
And it talks about what God is able to do in people depending on where their soil is. So you get that, that, uh, that you know, by the path that there's people that are so hard that the word doesn't even have an opportunity. The word is sown, the sower sows the word, and the word is that seed, and it goes out and just lands on the path and the birds eat it. And then, then it lands in the very, very rocky soil. So people, some people's soil is, is rocky. It's, uh, or people, are, people can be, okay, let me back up a little bit. So you have people that are just hard-hearted and rebellious, right? So that's that hard-heartedness. They don't even allow the word to even make a dent in them at all. They don't receive it at all, they don't hear it, it just goes by them. Then you get people that, they, their ground is full of rocks. So they receive the word, or they're excited in a little bit, but because of those rocks, right, the rocks of offense, um, they, they, when, when they get persecution for the word, because that's what the devil comes, the moment you receive the word of God, he comes with some, some offenses, some persecution, and because, because they don't want to get rid of their rocks, or they don't realize they have all these rocks, they get offended at the word instead of understanding that God is the way out of their mess. Amen, and, and the devil lies to them and they don't receive. And then you, then you have the people that they receive the word, um, they allow it to be planted in their life, but the weeds choke it out. So the weeds are, um, you know, thorns and thistles, amen, it's, it's the opinions of other people, it's fret and worry, um, it's being covetous, it's the lusts uh, and the desires of the flesh, those are the weeds that come in and choke. So we have to allow the word of God to take root, we have to move the rocks, amen, we have to get those rocks out, we've gotta push through the offenses or the, or the persecution that comes or the attack that comes, the opinions of other people, and, and value God above all those things and value his word and value what he does in your life above other people's opinions or anything else. And every one of us has had to go through this from the time that we received the word and got born again. We've had to deal with all of these scenarios. How many of you can say amen and oh me, right? And so, but we can move those rocks and we can decide I'm sticking with this and I don't care what anybody says. And I'm, I'm thankful because, you know, when we first got born again, we got so radically touched and full of the Holy Spirit, we didn't care what anybody thought about it. We would just tell everybody about Jesus, whether they wanted to hear or not. How many of you know, a newborn Christian, I mean, they, they want to just, they're so excited, they just want to tell everybody. And, and then, but if we have a weak character and we have all those rocks in us, then we will back off when the pressure comes, then when the devil puts the pressure. So you don't want to do that. And then even though some people might come back to church and let the word take a little bit deeper root and learn a little bit more about Jesus, but then there's things in their heart that they won't let go of. Like I said, there's the lusts and the, the, the covetousness and um, all of the, um, the worry and the fretting. I mean, some people, some people are professional warriors <laughs> with an O. And you know what's interesting? That when the Lord really comes and touches you and gives you his peace that's beyond understanding, that you know, sometimes you get worried because you're not worried. Right? Because you just, it's like, you, you just, you feel the presence of God and you, you just know that it's done. And then it's like, you, you oh, I'm, I'm not even worried about this. Is that wrong? Is that, am I, am I supposed to be? But no, God doesn't want us to worry. 
Yes, he wants us to be responsible, right? And some of us think it's, it's responsible to worry. It's not responsible to worry. It's responsible to stretch your faith out, activate your faith, and do what the word says to bring you through that situation, amen? Because faith is not just sitting there and waiting for God to do something. You know, a lot of people get tripped up with the word wait. It's like, well, I'm just gonna sit here and wait. Well, that's not what it means. It means being a waitress, for lack of a better term. It means serve the Lord, just keep serving Him, and in due season, you'll reap your harvest. Amen. So keep serving Him, keep on doing what's right. Amen. Keep, that's how you wait on Him. You wait on Him by serving Him and doing what pleases Him. And then your harvest comes in. Not just sitting, oh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I know people that have been waiting for 50 years for God to do something, right? And they, they, most of the time it's because they haven't done anything with their rocks and their weeds. Right. Amen. Amen. So we have to allow that, that purging to take place and, and allow him to clean us all out. So we are planted in him. We are planted in his house because it's from his grace, his word, and his spirit that we receive all the sap and the virtue that keeps us alive and fruitful. So his word and his spirit is the sap, the virtue, the anointing that keeps us alive and keeps us fruitful into that old age. We are kept well in his kingdom and living in his presence. And if we plant it in his house, then we will flourish in his courts. Planted in his house re represents the inner life, the roots. That is the integrity of your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, with all vigilance, because out of your heart springs all the issues of life. The, the Bible, Romans 2 and verse 29 speaks about a circumcision of the heart. The, under the old covenant, they, there was, had to be a shedding of blood, and so there was, aren't you glad you're a girl? Anyways, and so the boys were all circumcised as a sign of submission to God. Well, God no, no longer requires circumcision of the flesh, but he requires a circumcision of the heart. And in fact, even under the old covenant, he would say over and over again, it's not what you're doing on the outside, it's your heart that I want. I want your heart, I want your clean heart, I want your pure heart, I want your heart that's, that's following after me, amen. Now we have it easier, much easier than they did because we have God living on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit. Under the old covenant, they were just men that were covered by the blood of, the, blood of Jesus, but they still had the old nature that they had to battle with. And so they desperately needed the anointing, they desperately needed God's presence in their life in that, in that way. I mean, we, we need it now, but we're so blessed that he comes to live on the inside of us. So we literally have no excuse. We have no excuse, he lives on the inside of us. And so you can let him live small on the inside of you, or you can let him live big. You, you, can, you can smother that flame and, and have it really little, or you can encourage it and have a big flame and be a hot and on fire for God. And that's where you wanna be, is hot on fire for God. Because a fly cannot sit on a hot plate. So sin and the devil and everything he does cannot have access to you when you're hot on fire. The devil can't come near your fire because he'll get burned up. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why we have to be wearing those robes of righteousness to go into God's presence because sin cannot stand in the presence of God. Amen. Sin would get burned up. And so sin is burned up in the flame. So we need to be hot on fire. Hallelujah. And, uh, and when we go to heaven, we'll be welcomed there because we're just like he is. Amen. 
We're hot and fire. We're not full of sin and all that other mess. Amen. And you know, uh, you don't lose your salvation if you, if you sin, just one sin. You have space to repent. You know, there's always people arguing about, you know, anyway, stupid stuff. And um, so it's like once saved, always saved. That's not really true either. And uh, that, you know, you lose your salvation if you just sin once. That's not true. I am eternally saved conditionally. I'm eternally secure conditionally. In other words, as far as God's concerned, he's the vine, Jesus is the vine, I'm the branches. I get planted into that vine, grafted into that olive tree of the, the, um, the olive tree is symbolic of, the, uh, of Israel, right? So we got grafted in, we got, we, in other words, we became partakers of that covenant. Abraham's blessings are ours. And Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So we are planted in him. We are the branches that come out of him. And we have to be planted in him. That's the only way to go to heaven, be planted in him. And he said, you have to abide in me and my words abide in you. You'll ask whatever you will and it will be done to you. You have no life, no eternal life unless you're planted in that vine. So when you be planted in that vine, when you planted, you planted, you're planted, you're planted. If you receive Jesus and five minutes later you die, you're going to heaven. Amen. There's nothing to earn, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. Our righteousness is filthy rags. So we come by faith, he plants us in the house. We, we don't get cut off until he cuts us off. He's the one that does the pruning. But what, is he, what does he prune? Dead branches. So our job is to keep our branch alive. So we have to stay plugged into him. We have to stay fruitful and productive in him. And we will not be a dead branch that needs to be pruned and cut off. Don't play around with sin. Many people play around with sin. They, they, they in, their, in their heart and in their mind, and even sometimes people on the outside don't do things, but in their head they're, they're sinning. In their heart they're sinning. They've got, they're doing terrible things. They're, they're, their heart is filled with unrighteousness. And so people will play with sin and they try to see how much sin, you know, how much can I get away with and still make it into heaven? That's how some people live. How much can I get away with and still get into heaven? And so, um, and they, they, they use the grace as like the greasy grace. No, the, the grace of God is not there to just let you do whatever you want. The grace of God is there to help you to serve Jesus, to help you be, the, you know, help that new creation life that's been put on the inside of you to be worked onto the outside of you. So God's grace helps you to grow. God's grace doesn't help you to sin and, and be rebellious and do your own thing. His grace lifts off of people who do that. That's not wise to do that. Amen. Very unwise. So let's not live our life on the edge seeing how much we can get away with. Letting the weeds come up. Those weeds are growing. Those, those weeds are choking out all the life that's in you. That's what... All of that sin that we allow in our, in our life. And sin has a way of hardening your heart because the Holy Ghost will convict you. And then you have to rebel against that and your heart gets hard. So same as, same as people's flesh gets seared. You know how sometimes people get burned or, or get cut, whatever, and then the, you, you can't feel, they can't feel anymore. And that's what happens. People get a seared heart and they can't feel anymore. And they can't even hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. They don't feel any conviction, so they think they're fine. In the meantime, it's because they've hardened their heart so much that they're not even hearing the voice of God. God is speaking to you all the time. You're just not hearing. 
People are like, oh God, please speak to me. God doesn't speak to me, he speaks to everybody else. He's speaking to you all the time, you are not listening. So you need to make your heart, your spiritual ears, you need to open them, you need to open your spiritual eyes to hear what he is saying. Say your confession every day should be, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a sheep, he's my shepherd, um, he's my good shepherd, and I hear his voice, and that's the only voice I follow. I don't follow any other voice. I only follow the voice of the good shepherd. Thank you, Lord, today you're leading me. I hear your voice. You need to pray in tongues. Pray in tongues gets your mind to shut up because you're not praying out your head, you're praying out of your spirit. So it gets your mind to calm down and be quiet and, and you know, say, how long must I pray? As long as it takes. Pray until your mind gets quiet and then just lie there and think nothing. I know that's hard for girls, but just lie there and think nothing. And what you start doing is you train yourself to listen. And you might not hear anything initially. And then some, you're out shopping, putting groceries in the cart. Whoops, suddenly something pops up and the Holy Spirit will tell you something. You're like, wow. But what you did when you were praying in tongues and just waiting and listening was you were conditioning yourself to hear and then at, the, at, a, at a time that you need it or time that the Lord chooses, you'll hear that voice. You'll hear it and you'll know that voice. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you, when you sin, you harden your heart and you're giving the devil access to your life. Every time you willfully sin, you're giving the devil access and that's what he wants. He wants to trip you up, he wants to tempt you, he wants to trip you up, right? Then what he wants to do is once you listen to him and you did the stupid thing, then he wants to beat you over the head with guilt and condemnation. So even if you come to the Lord and you say, this is what I did, it's wrong, I acknowledge it's wrong, I'm so sorry, please forgive me and please wash me clean, Many times we're unable to walk away without still feeling guilty. But you have to trust by faith that if you, from a pure heart or a good heart, good intentions, really ask the Lord to forgive you, that he did forgive you and you have to receive that. So we have to live with a righteousness consciousness. In other words, constantly having that picture of who we are in Christ being built stronger and stronger on the inside of us. Not what we used to be or what the, what the devil tried to make of us or what we, even what we did, but he, he washes, the moment we repent, he washes it away like it never happened. Amen. And so, th that's why it's always important. Repent, say sorry, repent. Learn how, to, learn how to be quick to repent and say sorry to the Lord so that that can get wiped away because if you die with all that stuff, it's gonna be written down in your book and you don't want all that written. You want nothing written in your book but good stuff. Amen. You want all that bad stuff written in there. So, God can't forgive what you don't repent of much as he'd love to. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. I cannot forgive you because you won't forgive. There's things God can't do. He can't lie, and he can't do something for you that you won't allow him to. He already did it in Jesus Christ. We have to recognize his, what, what, he, what the covenant is, what we're offered, salvation, an all-encompassing word, so it's not just saving your soul, but it's your healing, it's your peace, it's your provision, it's, it's everything, it's your protection, everything you need is in that word salvation, and you receive it, and you have to walk in the blessing of it. And it's like the, like the guy that went on when they still used to do the cruise liners, and uh, well, not necessarily cruise liners, but the only way to get around was a ship. If you wanted to go from England to America or America to France, you had to take a ship. There was no airplanes until probably the 50s and then I, think, I don't even know if it was the first tra you know, passenger transatlantic was probably the late 50s or 60s, whatever, I'm not an expert on aviation. But I know it wasn't that long ago, he, my father took a, before I was born, he went and studied in uh, Rolls-Royce engines, aer airplane engines, uh, he was a, an airplane um, engineer. 
And uh, he went to study in England and he took a boat. And that was, I was born in 62. There was a few years before I was born, like the late 50s. He had to take a boat. He didn't take a, a plane. If he did take a plane, if there even was a plane, it would be hoppity, 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 hoppity all the way. So you just got on a boat and you went. So it's, it's like the story of the guy that, that got on the boat and um, he, uh, he, he, all, he all, all, the, all the money he had was to pay for the voyage and he didn't have money for the food. So he just took a, you know, cheese and crackers and whatever wouldn't perish for however long the journey was going to be. A lot of times it would be like, you know, just a week or two weeks. And, uh, and he would just stay in his cabin and eat his cheese and crackers. Well, when the cruise came to the end and he was dis disembarking and the captain was shaking everybody's hands and the captain looked at him and said, I don't remember meeting you. You know, all the passengers rotated around. I had them at my table, um, different nights. We had everybody and I, I, I'm greeted and I never saw you in the dining room. And he said, well, I didn't have money for food and the... the, the, the the, the, the captain said to him, but the food was included in your ticket. The food was included in your ticket and he missed out on all that wonderful food, eating cheese and crackers. And that's how people live their Christian life. We've got all this wonderful food that's been included in the fair. Amen. And the captain of the ship would like us to join him at his table and he would like us to participate and receive everything that he has for us and everything that's been paid for, hallelujah. And the wonderful thing is we didn't even have to pay the fare, but he paid the fare on our behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So it's circumcision of the heart. David said, create in me a clean heart, restore to me the joy of my salvation, hallelujah. So the joy comes with a clean heart. So we planted in his house, in the life, flourish in the courts of God. That's where our branches spread out. The courts represent the outer life, the, the stem, the leaf, the branches. And the outward evidence that the tree is good and healthy is the fact that the branches and the foliage is green. And then not only that, not only does God expect your tree to be green, but he expects you to bring forth fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree that did not produce. So we must produce, we must use our talents, we must use what the Lord has given us, we must appropriate his word, and we must be a blessing, amen. Psalm 128.3, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy house, thy children like olive plants around the table, hallelujah. You are a fruitful vine. You know what's the great thing about the analogy of the vine as well, is that a vine will grow around whatever it needs to grow around. And that's, that's a, a, an emblem of our ability to be adaptable and to be flexible. It's a great gift, amen. Even with your children, every, how many of you know if you've got more than one kid, every one of them has a totally different personality. And God graces us to recognize that and then deal with each child accordingly, amen. Because, because that, you can't just treat them all the same. Some of them are shy and retiring and you've got to bring them out. Some of them are a little too loud and boisterous. You've got to calm them down. Amen. Some of them just want to hide in the room and read a book all the time. You've got to encourage them to go out and make friends. And some of them just never want to sit still. And you've got to say, now sit, sit down here, focus. Let's read a book. Let's be calm. <laughs> so every child is different. And God graces us to have the wisdom, right, to know and to recognize that. And to also to encourage them into some of them are good at sports. Encourage them in that. Some of them are good at arts and music and, or, or mathematics or whatever, and encourage and give them, make sure they have every opportunity to flourish in that gift and calling that's on their life because they are unique. 
And I think, uh, you know, we, we advertise a lot of books and we have the book list at the table. We, we, we bought a few of them for you to buy if you can. But this one, I don't even know if you can find it anymore. It's called Different Children, Different Needs. And it's, it's brilliant because it talks about the personality of the mom and how sometimes you have this outgoing mom and she can't understand. You've got this kid wants to just be indoors reading books and she thinks there's something wrong with the child. But he's just a different personality. Or you get a mom that just is not, you know, she's kind of happy by herself. And this kid that just wants to be out and with people all the time and it's like, what's the matter with you? Just come back home and be calm and get and go to your room and that doesn't make him happy. And listen, when, when you use discipline, you need, to, you need to use the spanking on the bottom, which is the part created, right? You've got to give the spankings there. Um, but, you know, the time out thing, you know, it can work for some kids, but generally, like, the spanking on the bottom is the best thing, especially for boys because boys learn stuff, they remember pain. It just says, woman, woman, when we have emotional, an emotional pain, it's seared into us. Emotional pain, we remember everything. Or not even pain, actually, just any event that's emotional. That's why you remember what you were wearing when you met your husband, and you remember everything about the first date, and he, he gets it all wrong. And you remember dates, and he doesn't. <laughs> but boys remember whatever, if they experience pain, they're going to remember. So in other words, when they jump out the tree and hurt their elbow, they remember okay, let me not jump out of the tree, or at least not that high. So, <laughs> so boys remember things with pain. So sometimes you have to administer a little bit of pain on the rear end, appropriately, amen. Not talking about abuse, but just a spanking that they can feel. And then, and then wait for the cry of repentance. If there's no cry of repentance, if it's a cry of rage and anger, spank them again. You only have to give, you know, depending, you know, five or six swats, depending on what you're using. Not in anger. If you have to go calm down and come back, do it. Because you're doing it for the kid's benefit, not because you're angry, right? And you, you give them another spanking and you stay calm. Because they've got to learn consequences. So it's, I'm not getting spanked because my mom hates me. I'm getting spanked because I was naughty. This is the message you're trying to send. And they, will, they can understand this when they're three years old. Because you don't, you know, where you, if you sat down and explained it to them, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get anywhere. But they comprehend because of your, your, how you carry yourself, what you say, and you spank them in love. That's not easy. Most of us can only spank if we're angry, or or or, or take or de decide to. That's not the way to do it. That's why you have to educate yourself in the Word of God. Let God do the work in you, right? So you administer, and when they repent then you forgive them, you get them to repent to the Lord, and then you give them hugs, and you let them know they're forgiven, and you let them go play, and you know what? They'll leave happy. When my parents spanked me, I knew I needed it. I knew they were doing it for my benefit. My father would say, you know, when, when you're big, you'll, you'll be thankful that I spanked you. And you know what, I was. And in fact, when I got saved, and then the Lord started showing me all the areas of my life that needed fixing, I wished my parents had given me a few more spankings and kind of did it for me, you know what I mean? Now I've got to do it for myself. <laughs> so, so the love is very important. You can't discipline where there's no love. You can't discipline where there's no relationship. So that's why so many of these, when people get divorced and then remarried, there's so much brokenness because the new spouse can't just come in and start spanking your child. They don't have no relationship. That's all, I, I'm trying to talk about this and not take long, but anyway, I feel like I just need to say these things. So we need to be realistic, amen.
And we need to, we need to be, whatever we do needs to be for the help and the blessing of the person we're ministering to, whether it's our child or any, anybody else. It needs to be for their help and blessing. And so many people just don't do that. They involve themselves and how they feel in the thing, even with counseling people. The Bible says when you bring correction and counseling to someone as a spiritual authority in that person's life, and you are the spiritual authority in your kid's life, but when you bring correction, if, if you're not the spiritual authority in someone's life, you have no right to go and correct them. Now, if they're your friend, God, wants, God expects you to speak truth to your friends, right? Grace and truth. We all need people that tell us, yes, your butt does look big in that. No, not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Innocent. But hey, yeah, we go to our friends and say, how does this look? And they're going to be, you want honest friends, right? That doesn't suit you, but that does. That looks beautiful on you. Don't wear that. I mean, you, that's helpful advice, right? But I'm, I'm not, I just used a, a natural thing. You, you want in the spirit for your friends to encourage you into what's good. And you need, you need to be a kind, loving, caring friend that gives counsel in love when it's asked for or when the Holy Spirit tells you to. Amen. I mean, when I first got saved, I was hooked on astrology. Um, not the foretelling of your future, but the, the personality part of it, because people fascinated me. So I was just fascinated by, when's your birthday? Oh, I got you all figured out. And uh, I know who you are. And uh, I loved that stuff, I was like addicted to it. And my, my cousin came to me and said, you need to get rid of all of that. I was mad at her, because I knew she was right. Sometimes we get mad because we know someone's right. But, and I said, okay, Lord, you know, you have to help me. So I put the books away for a month. I didn't read them. I didn't touch them. I didn't look at them. And then after a month, we burned them because my mom was burning all the other garbage that we had picked up along the way, <laughs> all the other books that were ungodly or whatever, um, you know, powers of the pyramid and all that nonsense. And uh, anyways, so, uh, so you need people around you to speak grace and truth to you. And, but when we, the Bible says when we bring correction to someone, we need to do it in a spirit of meekness considering ourselves. In a spirit of meekness and humility, considering ourselves, lest we become a partaker of their sin. So sometimes when someone commits adultery, and then you get the spiritual leadership that's supposed to deal with it, they judge them in their own heart. And then they, ended up, they end up doing the same thing a few years down the line. Don't judge someone else, you will end up doing the same thing. I promise that, or that, that temptation, that attack will come against your life, against your marriage. If you judge other people harshly, when we've seen people's marriages fail, we didn't judge them, we, we, we cried for them, and then we, looked, we turned to each other and we said, is there anything in our marriage that we need to fix so we don't end up like that? So when people fail, just use it as a, as a lesson to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't wanna mess up, show me how not to mess up. So it's important we keep that, that spirit of humility and meekness and teachableness. We need that teachable spirit toward the word of God. That's the good ground. The good ground of your heart is where you are fully teachable, where you receive that seed. You, you clear out all the garbage in your life. You allow the Holy Spirit, when he brings the conviction to you, when something comes out of your mouth that shouldn't and the Holy Spirit convicts you, you immediately say, Lord, I'm sorry. I apologize. Learn to apologize quickly. Some of us are so prideful and stubborn. I mean, I, I had the hardest time saying sorry to my husband when we were first married because in my house, you just fight with someone and then you'd leave and cool off and come back, but you would never say sorry. That's how my father trained us. Sorry, it was just, he, he didn't mean to, but that's how he did things. And so my brother and I would have a big fight. We were 17 months apart, so we played and we fought. <laughs> we were best friends and then we fought with each other. And um, 
and we would never apologize because we were both too prideful. So when I got married, it was the hardest thing for me to just, because my husband can turn on a dime. He can like be like telling you off and then turn, give you a hug and I love you and everything's great. And I'm like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm still processing. <sighs> I need to work through some of this and get my attitude right before I can, because I want to be sincere when I say sorry. <laughs> but, so I had to learn to get, to get the attitude adjustment faster. And sometimes it was so hard to say sorry. It just, it's like on the inside of me, I wanted to say it and it didn't want to come out of my mouth. But I had to make myself <laughs> and cry my eyes out because it was a breaking, but it was breaking garbage off of my life. Amen. It's good to have a good cry. Not feeling sorry for yourself, but a cry of casting your care on the Lord. A cry of, of letting go of all that stuff that you're carrying. Because I wouldn't cry. I was, my, my brother would hurt me, I wouldn't cry. Um, I just, I wouldn't. I was, just, no matter what, you know, that's how you go through life, you'd be tough. Right. I mean, when I looked at other people's dads who were all soft and squishy, I thought they were weak. And some of them are, but you know, some of them are just kind <laughs> and loving. I mean, I know my dad loved me, I know he did, but, but it's, I don't know why, you know, you just somehow, you, you don't even know where you pick up these attitudes as a kid, but you do pick them up. And so, so I realized that actually, you know, the Bible says that, he says, your, your gentleness has made me strong. The gentleness of God makes us strong. We can be kind, we can be gentle, and we can be strong. Amen, not weak. Because some people think love is permissiveness, especially with children. Just let them do whatever they want to do. The Bible says, if you don't discipline your child, you don't love your child. So you have to bring correction to them appropriately for their benefit, amen. And you have to, you have to God is that loving heavenly father. He's gonna come, the, the, the devil comes to, to convict you or to, to um, ugh, what's the word I'm looking for? To, huh? I can't even hear you because you're talking at the same time. Anyway, there's condemnation. There's conviction and condemnation. So the devil comes to condemn, but the Holy Ghost convicts because the condemnation is with no way out. Oh, you're just a big mess and tries to make you feel like a big mess and feel defeated. But God comes with conviction because he wants to clean you out and he has the answer. He has the answer. You need to fix this and this is how you do it. Because it, it it's not helpful for somebody to come and tell you you're a big mess unless they tell you how to fix your mess. So what you need to do with people, the grace and truth part, He's not coming in and saying, well, just you're just a big mess. Say, look, I can help you clean up your mess. How about that? How about we do that? I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna help you through your mess. That's our job to our, to our neighbor. Amen. The Bible talks about, actually in the context of husbands, Ephesians 5, 25, through 27, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, any such thing, but that should be holy and without blemish. Let me just, I, I felt like I just need to say that, just wrap this up that I was saying, just to make sure I get the point across clearly. When I was saying we are unconditionally saved conditionally, basically. We're eternally secure conditionally, which means that once you're born again, if you keep walking on the path, you're gonna make it into heaven, that's it. 
I mean, there's people that, that they're so bound in the head, they, they don't grow much, they don't, have, they don't see much fruit, but if they stay with their heart right with the Lord, they'll make heaven. They might make heaven with not much fruit, but they'll make heaven. And only God is the judge of someone's salvation, not you, not me, amen. But when, when people sin and sin and sin, they harden their heart, they give place to the devil, and you can get to that place where you just completely walk away and reject God, reject the blood of Jesus, and deny him, and at that point, there is a possibility that your branch could, your dead branch could get cut out of the vine, and when you're cut out of the vine, if you're not planted, you're not, you're not gonna be in heaven with him, amen. And so don't make God cut you off. He doesn't want to. So that's why we keep our hearts soft and we have to train our children, raise them to honor and serve the Lord themselves. You have to influence your child into the kingdom. You can't, like I said earlier in one of the other meetings, you can't beat them up with scriptures, but you gotta love them and influence them and show them by your example. That's the best thing you can do. And pray, 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 because the Holy Ghost knows things you don't. Pastor Rodney's parents prayed, they would come, and, and he was a godly kid, and he loved Jesus, and he, had, he was determined to serve Jesus, but they would come to him and say, the, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit showed us this. What are you up to? Nothing. But we, well, that's not what the Holy Ghost said. <laughs> Amen. We need that, raising kids. We need, because we, need, we don't know what's going on in their little heart and head. And the little foxes spoil the vine. The little, the little things, you've got to nip those little attitudes in the bud. I would tell my kids, attitude is everything, pick a good one. So that's what I would watch more than, more than anything, the attitude. Not necessarily what they were doing, I would watch the attitude. And lying and rebellion are two things you don't let slide. And you deal with that from very little. I mean, I, my, my grandbabies are the best, most cutest ever. Jerry, he's the sweetest, most happiest kid. But there was a stage when he turned two where he would fly into rages, like he would turn into the Hulk. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it, and I've been around a lot of kids. And anyway, but his parents, thankfully, they, they spanked his little bottom, and it wasn't easy the first few months. Because, you know, <laughs> anyways, one spanking doesn't always do it. It's the training, the consistency. Consist you've got to be consistent. You gotta, that's why, don't be, don't, you have to put up on your wall, don't be weary and well-doing. If you're a mom, that you need that scripture more than any others. Don't be weary and well-doing. The consistency, the consistency. But that comes from out of your discipline in your own life of getting into the word, because that's what's the, where the encouragement's gonna come. Listen, God makes everything easy. Under the curse, everything they did was sweater their brow, thorns and thistles, you know, giving, you know, having pain in childbirth. We don't have to do that. We can believe God for supernatural childbirth. Amen. You know, I, I know everybody has a different situation and don't feel condemnation if you, if you had to have a C-section or whatever. As, as long as the baby's born and it's healthy, that's great. Sometimes, sometimes there's things you can't help. Um, you know, Jenny was born, whoops, just like that. Kennedy decided she was gonna stay sideways. And so that's why Jessica had to have an emergency C-section right there because Kennedy didn't, a lot of times the, the twins will, the second twin will turn themselves around and be born, but, but uh, she was in no hurry to move. <laughs> and so they, they just it got to a place where they just had to do that. So sometimes you have to do that. But you can believe for a healthy pregnancy. You can believe for, you don't have to have what the world has, amen. You can believe for God's hand and protection to be on you. I mean, we have so many testimony after testimony after testimony of women who's, who should have died in childbirth and God saved them and their baby. Amen. I think Kristen shared hers last year about how God saved her life and her baby's life. And so, um, you know, that's a victory. So we can believe God for his hand. So we don't have to sweat and, and toil and, have, and just have a life full of weeds, but we can prosper. Everything can be blessed. But we have to live under the blessing, not live under the curse. So we've got to make that choice, right? 
So God will sanctify and cleanse us by the washing of the water of the word so we can be a glorious church. So we've got to receive that word with gladness, with humility and meekness. We've got to be consistent. Attend church, go to church. Fellowship with believers. Be a doer of the word, don't be distracted by persecution, cares, worries, fears, and covetousness, and be a fruit producer, and allow the pruning. The pruning is good for the trees. Pruning, um, John 15, two to three says, any branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts off and trims away, he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit. So God will continue to prune you, don't get frustrated. You're a work in progress, right? Because you say, oh, oh, I've arrived. The Lord touched me, I've changed so much, I'm good here right where I am. And he's like, um, there's this thing. <laughs> Remember, it's the layers of the onion. You know, just think, oh, I just got over that thing and came through that thing and let go of that. And then, oh, he shows you, oh, there's another thing. Oh, back to the drawing board. Don't get discouraged. Obviously, he's gonna keep on pruning, he's gonna keep on pruning so that you can continue to bear fruit. So you don't wanna cut off the fruit, so you have to allow that pruning. And he says, you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you. So the word is what cleanses and prunes us and we need to receive the word. So when you, when you get prayed for and you're on the floor and the Holy Ghost tells you you need to do this or that or whatever, obey. Because if you reject that, he's gonna stop talking to you. And then it doesn't matter how anointed the man or woman of God is that lays hands on you, you are gonna get absolutely nothing. You the one that has to say, can I tell you how revival starts? Revival doesn't just, I mean, prayer is important, but revival doesn't start out of prayer. It starts like prayer lays the foundation. Prayer moves some strongholds, amen. Especially praying in tongues. Prayer starts clearing the atmosphere, prayer. And prayer also, more than that, prepares the people. Prayer, like fasting is not to change God, it's to change you, amen so that you can hear from God and open yourself up to receive all that he has for you. And so, so every revival, you look, someone started praying, Lord, please show up, or something to that effect. And then at some point, well, people started joining them, and at some point someone went, Lord, if there's anything in me that is not pleasing to you, please come and burn it out. Bam, you have revival. And you can't fake that, that's gotta be the real deal, that you passionately, from your heart, don't care about anything, but you just want God to touch you and burn out every bit of junk, and you wanna be purified, and you wanna be just like Him, and you wanna look just like Him, and you're so sick and tired of the world, and sin, and everything else, and bondage, and, and torment, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That's how you have revival in your home. Keep that soft heart, always open for Jesus to touch it. Lord, if there's anything in me, show me, clean it out of me. I wanna be, I wanna be pure in your, in your eyes. I wanna be acceptable. I wanna be pleasing to you, Father. If there's anything in my life that doesn't please you, please get rid of it, take it out, prune it off. Sometimes the first pruning is the, is the hardest because there's so much that needs to be pruned. But after that, the more you yield, the, the easier that it becomes, the more simple and the, 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 more, the less traumatic it, the pruning becomes. It becomes, oh, you want that? Oh, here, you can have it. Because when he comes and visits you, he doesn't come with judgment and condemnation. He comes and wraps you in his arms of love. And you know, in that presence of love, you feel so loved and accepted. You're like, oh, if you want 
that thing? Oh, you can have that. Oh, you want that thing? You can have that too. You want, oh yes, let's get rid of everything. It says sprinkling everything while you're here. <laughs> Amen. You know, don't, don't try to get God to fix you in five minutes what you screwed up in 40 years, right? It's, you're going to, it's, there's a process. There's, I, when I was trying to press him to get the joy because I knew it was real, it was a process. It took me six months just of weeping before the Lord, but God was touching me. He was doing a work in me. He was bringing me to the place where I was ready to receive. And then when I was least expecting it, the joy bubbled over and, and I, it was so liberating and freeing and it, was, it wasn't even like myself at all. It was so, so not like me. I was, it was like I was a different person. And from there, God just did such a work in my life and my heart, hallelujah, and just increased me in every way and just, you know, my husband asked me, share your testimony. I know it's helpful to people because, um, you know, a lot of people would identify with where I was at, introverted, very analytical, everything had to make sense. And, um, you know, and, and, and I didn't just, like some people just dive in the pool the first Sunday and I was like, mm, what's the temperature? <laughs> Let me just see, oh, it's cold. You know, what? <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm not, oh no, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna just stay here all like wrapped in my robe, but I don't wanna take the robe off and get in the water, you know? And um, so, <laughs> It's the robe of what other people think of you. That's what it is. And, um, and hiding, you know. And, uh, and so, finally, you know, I just got so hungry and just pressed in, pressed in, and then bam, and it, it was just an overflow. And so I would get up and my husband would say, testify. Well, I, did, I felt ashamed of my testimony because I thought, I don't have a testimony. It took me six months to press in. But then I realized, as I, the more I testified, and people would come and say, thank you, for sharing that I got my breakthrough in your meeting. And I would go, you're dead? <laughs> and and they, they said, yeah, because I was just like you. And see, what it did was, that's what happened to me. When I started seeing people that were shy, quiet, introverted, very dignified, getting smashed on the floor and drunk in the Holy Ghost, and people would go, that person would never do that. That must be the Lord, you know? And I realized, ooh, it's happening to the dignified people as well, not just the extroverted people. And all my arguments disappeared. Well, not that I had arguments, but I had reservations because I didn't want to make an exhibition of myself. I didn't want, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be embarrassed or anything. <laughs> I wanted to be dignified. And, um, but, you know, so there's good dignity and there's uh, prideful dignity. So we don't want the prideful dignity. Uh, and uh, so anyways, so, so, um, the Lord just, he just did it. He just, it just started bubbling out my belly. I'm laughing, I'm crying, I'm on the floor and tears are dripping off my nose. It was very, very messy and should have been embarrassing. And you know what, I didn't give a rip because Jesus was wrapping his arms around it. Me and he, I was, I was in his love and his joy and his peace and we were having such a good time. I didn't care what anybody thought of me, amen. It was so good. And all those other times I would just weep in his presence and he was cleaning me out and spring cleaning. And that's it's like he poured in. He poured in the oil and the wine and the joy just flowed. And then it didn't hit, didn't hit me like that every service, but it would hit, you know, when I was least expecting it. <laughs> and, um, but I came to that place where <laughs> God wants us to live out of that overflow. So he wants to get us to be filled up and filled up and filled up so that we can live out of the overflow. Amen. The overflow of his, his presence in our life. And so we need to, oh, can we, can we carry on tonight? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are we serious? 
have to ask the boss. <laughs> we were going to just go have lunch and go home and go back for church. Because I know we've got lunch waiting out there, but I know Shauna is used to waiting for us. <laughs> okay, let's, we, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I was trying to, yeah, not take too long here, but just to wrap everything up. But it's important we, we stay plugged in the Word. It's important that our priorities are in order. Amen? And uh, one of the things I just wanted to just say quickly before I close <laughs> is Psalm 92 in the, in the um, Amplified, it talks about growing in grace, um, bringing forth sap of spiritual vitality, rich in the virtue of trust, love, and contentment. And I just want to talk about the growing in grace. We have to grow in grace. We have to grow in God. Amen. We have to grow in maturity, character, and integrity. In fact, uh, when, when we're talking about being planted, talking about being pruned, but also being committed to God's word, but also being rooted and grounded in Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it as with thanksgiving. So rooted means to strike root, to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix, to establish, to become stable, to cause a personal thing to be thoroughly grounded. And then grounded kind of repeats that. Grounded actually to, re to lay the foundation, to lay a basis for, to found, to make stable, establish, ground, settle, to erect or consolidate. And God uses the analogies of, of trees, but also of buildings. We are his building. And so rooted the tree, grounded the building. The, the, the foundation stone is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone is Jesus Christ, and then the apostles, and then we are built on top of that. So we are this house being built, and we are one of the stones in God's house, amen. We're one of the trees in his garden, and we're one of the stones in his house, hallelujah. But whatever it is, whatever, whatever so God gives us so many ways to connect and identify, and identify ourselves with him and in him, amen. Buildings, trees, whatever it is, we're connected into him. So we need to be built up. And then it's very important, Ephesians 3 and verse 17 says that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. God is love. His whole, the whole Bible, from the front to the back, some, some people preach it in a judgmental way, presenting a judgmental God. But if you read the Bible properly, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will see it's a love story from the front to the back. Amen. It's a love story from the front to the back. It's a story of a bunch of rebellious people with a loving God who was patient with them and said, if you, not go, if you refuse to listen to me, you're going to get the spanking. <laughs> it's not going to be well with you. You're, or you're going to get the penalty. Never mind the spanking, the spanking brings the correction, but you're gonna get the hell and damnation and the defeat and the death and the, the curses because you won't listen to me. But if you will listen to me, you're gonna be so blessed. You're gonna be so fruitful. You're gonna be so full of joy. You're gonna be so full of peace. Your whole life will be graced. That blessing will pour out over your, your family and your marriage and everything that you do. Just come and serve me, I love you. This is my love letter. It's like this guy that's so in love with this girl and she's so snotty and snooty and she's looking for something else or she's just so spoiled or she's looking for something that's, it's like, 
gone with the, we're talking about gone with the wind with the bicycle, like gone with the wind. She had the good guy and she just wanted the, the other one. And she wasn't happy with any of them. You know what, you, you have to be content in yourself. You have to be, learn to be content in yourself. And only Jesus can do that for you. And so when it says growing in grace, we've got to grow in grace, grow up in God, grow up in maturity, character, integrity, love, walk worthy of the Lord, prove ourselves faithful. God has proven to us himself faithful and trustworthy and he wants to every day in your life prove himself to you faithful and trustworthy. And we have to prove that we will obey him, amen. And then he says, we'll be rich in the virtue of trust, love, and contentment, knowing, understanding, recognizing, believing, trusting, and relying on the love that God has for us. We have to rely on that that grace and that love and to be content, to bloom where you're planted, be content with who you are, where you are, what you do, because 1 Timothy 6.6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Being contented, that's that's the place you're heading for. You're trying to come to that place where you are content and at peace, amen. Because a discontented wife puts undue pressure on her husband. And there's a lot, a lot of discontented women. I mean, there's some men that are frustrated and whatever, but there seems to, the discontentment seems to be much more prevalent on the female side. And so we need to learn to come to that place of being content in our heart no matter what our circumstances are but being content, coming to that place of peace. You know, there's, there's some people that are so busy um, trying to, but ah, throwing the tantrum, ah, and you know what, sometimes you just gotta, what God does is he just puts his hand on you, and you throw in the tantrum, and you freaking out, and you screaming and shouting, and you complaining, and you whining, and you moaning, and you blaming everybody else, but my husband, you don't know my husband, you don't know what I have to live with. And you kicking and screaming, and he's just standing there, mm. and you're just gonna stay right where you are until you calm down. How many of you know, if your kids don't, you have to get them to calm down, even if they hurt themselves, and they're just, ah! you know, some of, them, some of them don't react, some of them freak out, you know, and you gotta say, calm, just calm down, it's not that bad, just calm down. I mean, I'm, mommy can't bandage your knee until you calm down. I can't fix it for you until you listen to me, just calm down. So God will just hold us there, and we'll be, and we'll be so, there's so many people so frustrated because they don't get anywhere, God's just holding you down until you stop kicking, screaming, throwing your tantrum, throwing all the toys out the cart, when you calm down, and you start looking in his face and you listen to him, he's gonna say, now this is what I want you to do. And it's all gonna be okay. Amen. So we just need to calm down. Be content. Let him come in and do his work. Amen. So take responsibility for your own heart, life, and attitude. Be content with what you have, where you are, with what you've been given, your gifts and talents and abilities. Don't look at someone else and feel like you've been shortchanged. You are so special, so unique, so wonderful, so wonderfully made. When I first married my husband, I was newly born again, two years and three days, and I was married in full-time ministry. And I still had a lot of strongholds to deal with in my mind. I did not feel good enough. I did not want to speak in front of people, I was shy. When I looked at what my husband needed, I thought it wasn't me. 
Now, I know God spoke to me in an audible voice. I know I had an encounter with the Lord where I saw that our destinies were the same direction. And I knew we were called together. But I, it, it didn't stop me from feeling inadequate. And so, I, I would, when, I, when I would feel like I failed, I would cry and I'd be like, Lord, why didn't you give him some church girl who knows how to do this? who knows how to do ministry, not someone who's still trying to figure everything out and still having to go, I cast out every vain imagination. <laughs> Bring to captivity, shut up head, you know. And because um, so, I wanted to be right and I want to do it right and it had to be perfect, right? And, uh, but God can use you right where you're at. I mean, God can use your child to say something that will be like, wow, and it'll be a revelation, amen? So God can speak through the mouth of babies. <laughs> and so, um, but thank God he would, he would just, he would encourage me and all these, this stuff and, and, and I was growing in the Lord but it was in revival when God touched me in the fire of God, just threw me in the deep end, threw me in that fire and I really began to press in with the Lord and then of course, like I said, I started sharing my testimony. Then I started seeing, wow, people are actually getting t- touched by my testimony is actually helping people and that was helpful to me. And, um, and then God just was growing me and changing me on the inside. I was, I was being changed and changed and changed and growing and things were being burned off and pruned off and everything else and um and and the lord began to i mean it was hard for me initially to step out in boldness but god started dropping a boldness in me to get up and preach that was all out of what he did and what was interesting was even though i didn't feel like i had a testimony initially i realized that there were people that heard my husband and responded and there were others that just sat and looked at him and didn't matter what he did they were just oh that's fine for you that i'm not like that's not my personality those are the people that are like me. So I tell people, God can do something about your personality. <laughs> he can fix you if you let him. And so when I shared, there were people that identified, they could relate and it helped them have a breakthrough and they could receive the joy and the touch from the Lord. Now everybody responds differently. Some people weep. Some people weep before they can laugh. You know, some people weep, some people laugh. Uh, some people are quiet, some people are loud, some people leave, it doesn't look like anything happened, but they, they're more hungry in their heart. Amen. There's, there's, they, it's, it's God's working on the inside, the sap. It's the sap that's working. We can't see it, but the sap is working. And um, the, the more we went along and I began to see how his ministry worked one way, mine another, and even though we are so completely different, it worked together to make one whole. And he touched some people, I, my life and my testimony touched others, and we got the job. And I, started, I realized more and more with every year how perfectly God put us together. How absolutely perfectly he put us together. We're so different, so we had to work on communication and all that kind of stuff, which you do, you're two very different people when you get married. You have to work on the communication, learn the rules. You have to, if you're gonna fight, learn how to fight. The clean rules. No bricks in the, in the, the, the glove. No. <laughs> fight, have it out, or have a discussion. Everybody has their say. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, love, hug, go on. And together you, you, you work as a team and you get it done, amen. You're on the winning team. You're working together and you're on the winning team, amen. And so the Lord wants to do that, that work in each and every one of us. And maybe you, you, you're not, you don't think you have gifts and talents and abilities that are worth anything and you look at everybody else and you measure yourself. Never do that. Don't measure by someone else. But just find out who, who you are and what God wants you to do and who he wants you to be, amen. And 
in eternity you'll see the results and the fruit if you'll just obey him. But so many people miss out on being used by the Lord because they're too busy looking at everybody else and think they don't have anything to give. When I first started sharing and preaching and ministering, I'm like, Lord, I can't speak to these ladies. I don't feel like I have anything to give. And he says, well, you have more than they do. Just give, what you, give the little you do have. They don't have anything. And the little you have, just give it. Excuse me. And the Bible says, whatever we've received, we need to give. And the Bible also says, when we give, we'll receive more. So I get more blessed preaching as I give out than I would if I didn't, if I didn't use that talent. I, I got more blessed than anybody this week, I think. Maybe we can have a who's more blessed competition. <laughs> Lucy says to her. <laughs> so, so he wants to empower you, but you need that touch. Amen. So he wants to fill you up grace you, do that work in you, do the pruning, amen. So I'm just gonna pray right now. And you, I tell you what, let's stand up. Hold the hand of the lady next to you. And we're gonna pray that the Lord touch you. If you've been touched, you're gonna get a double dose. If you never have, that God's gonna do something and just overwhelm you with his grace and peace and joy right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for every lady. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your presence in this place, even as you swept the place this entire week. I thank you, Father, that you come now and you touch them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for those rivers of living water. I thank you for the fire of God to to come and to touch them right now, right where they are, even those that are watching, for the fire of God to come. Lord, come, touch us. If there's anything in us, Lord, if there's anything in us that's not of you, come and clean it out, clean me out. If there's anything that's not pleasing to you, Father, come and clean it out of me, wash it out of me now, purify my heart. Lord, do a work in my heart right now. There's the anointing right now. Oh, Ukri bebe brosi glaba mam broso sindra baba kosi